Thank you, Lee. God bless you, brother. Amen. That was good. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> now, it was that way in the 830 service. It was so cold over there because the heater was not working. I preached the quickest sermon I've ever preached in my life. <laughs> we left the hotel this morning. The car said 11 degrees. My wife checked with the windshield. It was 8 degrees. Thank you for those that might have braved the cold to come over there this morning. I wouldn't have come if I hadn't been preaching. But, I, but, I, but my wife made me get out of bed to come. So, but... Uh, well, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Youth Choir. Wasn't that fabulous this morning? Give them a hand. I mean that really all my heart. A fabulous. But I am angry with you. I don't have a T-shirt. <laughs> Lee wears a coat and tie last week, so I thought, well, I got to, he ain't going to outdo me. So I got all spiffed up this morning, coat and tie, and he looks like a hobo this morning. So. <laughs> you need some money? You need some money for lunch? <laughs> oh, wow. What a great day to be at First Baptist Church here in Noonan, Georgia. Thank you for coming. This morning, I pray that God has a word for you. I know it's church. I know it's something that we do. But boy, my heart is just overfilled this morning with that God wants to say something to you and me, to you and me. Not, this is not just for y'all. This is for me as much as it is you. So I pray that, as Lee prayed in his prayer a while ago, I, I, we're all dealing with something, folks. We know that. We've got something we're dealing with, whether it be physical, financial, some kind of a marriage issue, something with your children, your grandchildren. We, we're all dealing with something. So I pray that Jonah might teach us something this morning because guess what? He's still on the whale coaster. He's still in the middle of this belly, still dealing with all this stuff that he's dealing with. But the whole purpose of what God's doing is not to again judge him, get mad at him, be mean at him, but God's trying to get Jonah to learn something not only about God, but about himself. So in these times of uncertainties that you and I deal with every day of our life, every week of our life, it's about us. It's about God showing us about who we are and what we need. And it's about God, what he can do for us. I was listening this morning to uh, Alan Jackson. I listen to him every Sunday morning at 6 o'clock as I'm getting ready for church and getting ready to go preach. And I love Alan. I love his messages and I love how he brings the word. But he was reminding his congregation this morning, and I want to remind you the same thing he reminded me of and his people this morning. Our God can do anything he wants to do. There is nothing impossible with God. Now, I know Jonah probably didn't think that. There he is in day one. God asked him to think. Jonah, think about what you're doing here. Why, when, where, how. Think about what you might have done to get you here. So that first day he thought, and he thought very intently on what he was doing. I asked you last week to give God 15 minutes this week where you did nothing but think. Not read, not pray, not research. Think. I hope some of you did that. I know I did that on Wednesday morning. Before I ever got out of bed, I said, God, I'm not going to get up until I think. I didn't think about what I had to do. I didn't think about my schedule. I didn't think about the crisis in America, the church. I didn't think about anything 
pertaining to what needs to be done. I just sat there and tried my very best. And I'll be honest with you, it's very hard to do. And I, I laid there in my bed and I thought, God, what are you saying and what are you doing? And then I hushed. I wanted to hear from God. I wanted to think something that's kind of old-fashioned. To think again. He got Jonah to think. And boy, did he ever think. And I think he kind of figured out what he was doing. Why he was suffering the way he was suffering. Why he was in the belly of this fish. I think he thought it through and kind of figured it out. And then in chapter 2, where we're looking at today, I think is the most critical, crucial chapter of the book. Because it's from what he did in chapter 1 that got him so consumed in chapter 2 to do what he did in the second chapter. I don't know if that was put there for me not to go that far or don't walk around today, but folks, I got to move around. What is this one doing over here? Lee, what are you doing to me? You're killing me, buddy. <laughs> but in chapter 2, boy, this is where he really does a great work. God really used chapter 2 in Jonah's life. And this is where I want God to use chapter 2 in your life as well. The first word we talked about was think. The second word is turn. God was trying to get Jonah to turn. To learn something of where he was and what he was doing. But he was trying to get him to turn. I want to read some quotes to you that I think are very important. Listen to what Augustine says. He says, God has promised forgiveness to your repentance. But listen carefully, folks. Listen carefully. But he has not promised tomorrow for your procrastination. We've done that long enough. Watchman Nee says it this way. People who cover their faults and excuse themselves do not have a repentant spirit. There's three spirits we'll talk about. I'll give you the third one next week. The first spirit we talked about last week was a teachable spirit. A lot of people I know in the body of Christ do not have a teachable spirit because they already know it all. Or they know just enough. Or they know John 3.16. Or they know there's 66 books in the Bible. Or they know that Genesis is the first book and Revelation is the last book. So preacher, what else do I need to know? I know everything there is to know. A teachable spirit. If God were to do anything in your life, it's called sanctification. But if God were to do anything in your life and my life, he's trying to get us to learn what he wants us to do. Not in so much of activity wise, but what he wants us to be in Christ. A teachable spirit. Spirit. And Watchman Nee reminds us that it takes a repentant spirit as well. So have a teachable spirit. Secondly, have a repentant spirit. The third thing, the quote I'm going to use by C.S. Lewis, it says this. We all want progress, he says. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. Now there is the book of Jonah. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. Three days in the belly of this fish. The first day he thought. Boy, did he think. The second day he began to put it all together. He began to realize 
He became like the prodigal son, came to his senses, woke up, the light bulb turned on, however you want to phrase it, I care not. But something clicked in the second chapter that changed everything, changed destiny, changed his life, and God got his will accomplished through Jonah because of the second chapter, because he turned. That word turn just means an about face, rotate. You know what the word repentance means? We've talked about it many times in churches. You go in this way, you turn and you go this way. That's Jonah. That's Jonah in the second chapter while he's inside of the belly of the fish. I've got to turn around. Remember, God said, go to Nineveh. Hey, that's a good idea, God. I like the idea, but I'm not going to go, and I'm not going to do it, so don't ask me to go. In fact, I'm going to go the opposite direction where you told me to go. I'm going to go to Tarshish. Now, don't tell me he didn't think about that in chapter 1. Don't tell me that didn't stir him to do what he did in chapter 2 when he began to say before God, and he said to himself, I need to turn this around. I don't know where I'm going. I'm inside the belly of the fish. I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how long I'm going to be in here, but I know this, bless God, I need to turn around. Could that be somebody in this room this morning here at the First Baptist Church in Noonan? Could that be somebody here? Could that be somebody watching online this morning? Could that be one of us? You know you need to stop what you're doing. You know you need to turn, but hey, procrastination just kind of keeps setting in, setting in, setting in. And we just simply think, well, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next Sunday. Hey, I'll do it when Ken gets back. When our interim pastor shows back up, that's when I'll do it then. We're all good at that, aren't we? Of putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. But maybe, just maybe, this morning, because of what God's been doing in your life, Maybe what God's been reading in your devotions. Maybe what you've been reading in your scriptures. Maybe in those prayer times that you've had with God this morning, you have felt an urgency and a, a, a sensation from God that you need to turn just a little bit. You need to rotate, go in a different direction than you're going now. And that's exactly where Jonah found himself. I think one of the best scriptures you can use to prove that is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. There is a change. And in Jonah's life, in the middle of the stinking stomach, he hears from God. God speaks to him. And he says to him, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. All right. If that's what you want, that's what I'll do. Don't want to. I really don't want to. Most people I've known in my own life, myself, and the people that I've passed throughout the years, I can say they really don't want to turn, but they know they have to, and they say, okay, preacher, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I will do it. That's kind of Jonah. That's kind of Randy. That's kind of me in my life. Well, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. There's Jonah. There's you and me in our everyday life sometimes. But in that second chapter, there's four major things that he did in his life 
that turned everything completely around. And I believe with all my heart, or I would not even got out of bed this morning and it eight degrees to come here or go to any other church if I didn't believe it could change your life and change my life. Four major things. The first one is found in verse one of the second chapter. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish, and he said. Now, we talked about prayer last week, but folks, you can never talk about prayer too much. But the first thing that he did, now listen carefully because this is the key to the whole chapter and the whole turning point of your life. Number one, he went to the right person. He went to God. Now, sometimes when somebody gets to my office, they're like Humpty Dumpty. They've already fallen off the wall. They've already crashed and burned. And they come into my office as a pastor and say, hey, pastor, can you put me back together again? And you want to say to them, why didn't you come to me before then? Why did it take you so long to get here? Why didn't you do what I asked you to do six months ago or a year ago when you brought this up to me? Well, my wife said, or my husband said, or my children said, or my grandchildren, or my friends said, or my colleague says, or I ran it by my Sunday school class, or I talked to him, or I talked to her, and, and they didn't really think that I needed to do that. And so what happened was you listened to the wrong person. It'll cost you every single time that you and I listen to the wrong person. The Bible says it's so plain, so clear. He Pray to God. Now let us have a little talk with... Anybody know that song? <laughs> let us have a little talk with Jesus. How simple that is, ladies and gentlemen. How incredibly simple and easy that is. But how is it we miss it in our daily life? He talked to the right person. He prayed to God. If God has all wisdom, and I believe that he does, if God knows everything, then I believe that he does, then I think God wants to tell you and I exactly what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. But folks, we must spend time with God. Period. No offense. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what kind of career you've got. You might be the CEO. You might be the head surgeon. You might be the biggest man, biggest woman. I do not care who you are, what you do. You need to stop and talk to God. Now, the reason why that's so important in Jonah's life, but it's also important in my life and hopefully your life as well, because what he does in the second chapter is he tells us 14 different times where he's at in his life. Now, don't you listen to these. Maybe they're in your life. 14 different words he uses to describe where he's at inside of the belly of this fish. He uses words like, hey, I'm in the belly of a fish. I'm in distress. I need help. I'm in the depth of Sheol. I'm cast into the deep. I'm engulfed. The breakers and billows are passing over me. I felt expelled from the presence of God. I'm at the point of death. I'm engulfed, to use that word the second time. Weeds are wrapped around my head. I felt behind bars. I'm in a pit. I am fainting away. Now, is anybody catching that? 
Is anybody listening to where he's at in his life? This is his life right now in this moment. I've been there. I've been there. I've been overwhelmed with life. I've been overwhelmed with medical issues. I've been overwhelmed in my life. How about you? Talk to God. Oh, that's too simple, preacher. No, it's not. Talk to God. All of these things. He said, man, you're talking about having a bad day. You're talking about being in a bad situation. I am overwhelmed with the fact I'm fainting away with where I'm at in my life. That sounds like me sometimes. Maybe it sounds like you sometimes. But then he says this, and 25 different times he makes it so personal. This is what I love about the book of Jonah, because you could name it Randy. 25 times he uses the word his one time. He one time. Ten times he says I. Six times he says my. Seven times he says me. Folks, he's inside the belly of the well. And who is God working on? He's working on Jonah. And Jonah realized, folks, this is about me. I'm in here because of me. I'm in here because of what I did. This is my fault. Now, this is the key to turning is when you and I realize and understand that we did something wrong. And when we do something wrong, you better run to God and run to God as quickly as you can. What Jonah's doing. That's the second chapter. He went to the right person. He said, I prayed to God. I prayed to God. The second thing that he did that I think is really important for turning this thing around and getting out of this belly and going and finishing what God had called him to do. Number two, he went to the right place. He went to the right place. Right person is God. The right place, you might think, well, that's Nineveh. He gets out and he does eventually go to Nineveh and he tells the people in Nineveh, you need to get right with God because God's going to judge you if you don't. So he did that. And so everybody would think, well, that's a great story. It all ended well. Let's give Jonah a hand. Go Nineveh, go Nineveh, go Nineveh. No. The right place in my estimation was not Nineveh. Oh, he was being obedient to God. And he followed God's plan. That's where God told him to go. But it wasn't Nineveh that God was trying to get Jonah to go to. Listen to what it says in verse 4. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Now, folks, I like to get excited sometimes. Sometimes I just get beside myself preaching. And I'm just about to get excited here. So you're going to have to forgive me, First Baptist, if I act undignified. <laughs> But I'm about to get excited here thinking about what this scripture just said. He said, I am looking again. I'm looking again. I am looking again toward your holy temple. Now watch this carefully. The right place was not Nineveh. The right place was to go again and look at God where God is. The greatest place you'll ever be on the planet 
is in the presence of God. Can I get an amen? I mean, it doesn't get any better than that when you get into the presence of God. And Jonah felt, I, I, I'm not even in the presence of God. In fact, I'm inside of a belly here. God can't be here with me down here. What is going on? But he, he remembered, he remembered, he thought, he thought, he thought. He said, I got to turn, I got to turn, I got to turn. I got to turn back to God and I got to turn where God is. I'm going to go to the right place. And I think we've got it mixed up and messed up sometimes in church because we get so consumed and so caught up with that this is the place where God is. Granted, yes, God shows up when we do, but God leaves when we do. God doesn't hang around here during the week. That's the beauty of you having a quiet time at home and your prayer time at home. You can meet with God just as good in your house as you can in this house. You can experience the presence and the power of God in your life just as great when you're alone, nobody around, no choir, no orchestra, no preacher, no balcony, no chandeliers. I mean, you're in your room by yourself and God can descend on that place. And you can look, you can look, you can look where God is. There's Jonah. I mean, that's Jonah in the middle of the belly. Don't wait till you get out to try to find God. Find God in your mess. Find God in your belly. Find God in your problem. Find where God is. Jonah said it himself. I am absolutely going to look again toward your holy temple. Because guess why? He quit looking. He wasn't going to look at God. I'm not going to Nineveh, I said. I'm not doing that. So, goodbye to the hand. I'm through. Nada. And God thought, okay. That's what you want to do. Go for it, buddy. Knock yourself out. Have I got a lesson for you? <laughs> and God put him in a place he'd never been in before in his life to get him in a position that he would call out to God and look back at where God is. Maybe somebody in the room again this morning needs to look for that place again. Maybe you haven't prayed in a while. Maybe you had not had a quiet time in a while. Maybe you had not had any worship time in a while. Go back. Go back. Go back. And do what Jonah did. I'm going to look again where God is. How important that is. Psalm 28 verse 2 says, Yet I have one thing left to turn towards the holy temple and pray. What a great word for us today. If you remember that old song that we used to sing so often in church, still do in a lot of places, but it's a marvelous old hymn. And I think it's a great song for us to sing in our personal life, not just when we get to church. Sing it at home when you're by yourself. Sing it when you're lying in the bed. Sing it when you're sitting on your sofa. It's a simple song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There's Jonah. He looked again where God was. He thought the first chapter, I'm in a mess. I got to do something about this mess. He began to turn. He began to talk to the right person. He began to look to the right place. But what is the third thing that he began to do? And oh man, this is good. Listen to what he says in verse 7. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Listen to what he said, ladies and gentlemen. I remembered the Lord. Been doing this for a long time. Been there, done that, got every trophy and T-shirt you can give. <laughs> I've got it. I'm just afraid that for a lot of people and maybe a lot of churches, they have forgotten what it is for God to show up and be in the service. I talked about this to our 830 crowd this morning. I'm forever grateful that I was saved when I was saved. I was saved in August 8, 1971. Called to preach in 1974. I was called to preach at Rehoboth Baptist Church not too far up the road here in Lawrenceville in Tucker, Georgia. Right off of Lawrenceville Highway. Now I was saved in the 70s and God was doing a tremendous work in the church across the lands in the 70s. I remember going to church at Rehoboth I wasn't raised in church. I knew nothing about church. I didn't know all the words and phrases and cliches that people use so flippantly. And I'd sit there in that church, at Rehoboth Baptist Church. And I'd sit there with such excitement and anticipation. I'd have my Bible, I had my notepad, I had my pencil, listening to Lester Bice preach. Not a great communicator, not a great preacher. But you know what makes a great preacher is not his style or his how he does it. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was on Lester Bice's life. And he would stand and preach in that pulpit at Rehoboth. And at the end of the service, hundreds of people would come down every single Sunday and pray at the altar and weep and cry and get saved and give their hearts and life to Jesus Christ. I kind of thought that's how you do church. That's what church is all about. Then this man from Mars hit Earth. His name was Charles Stanley. A preacher like none other. A God-called man if there had ever been one. And he stood at First Baptist as a young preacher and preached and he preached and he preached and he preached. And in between college breaks, and every time I came home, I went to hear Charles preach, and that man was a machine. He was preaching and teaching under the authority of the, of the Word of God and the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, and he would preach and he would preach, and I would sit there like a man just absorbing every single word the man had to say. 
because he was pouring his life and pouring the word into people's lives. And I was writing it down and listening, and God was doing the work. And when he'd give the invitation, it would be backed up all the way after, all the way out the aisle. People just weeping, getting right with God, talking to God, praying, asking God to help them during the service. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. Some of you might think, well, what are you even saying, Randy? I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm going to promise you this morning on the Word of God that there's something about remembering the Lord. I told in the 830 service when Leonard Ravenhill would speak, that great preacher, that great man of God, Leonard Ravenhill, Manly Beasley, Stephen Olford, great men of God would stand and preach. Leonard Ravenhill stood one time and preached, at first, I think it was First Baptist Atlanta, I believe it was. He stood up in the pulpit and said this, Repent. He sat down. Just sat down in the chair. Packed out sanctuary, First Baptist. The balconies packed out. Seats everywhere you could sit a chair, put anybody. They were in that sanctuary. For 45 minutes, not a single person moved or hardly even breathed. They were looking around at first thinking, did he have a stroke? Was he, did he forget his notes? Did he forget his sermon? What, what is this guy doing? They thought that to themselves, but they knew not to say anything, and they sat there quietly, wholly, reverently before God. And all he said was, repent. And about that time, the Spirit of God let loose. One person came over here, one person came over here, one person, one person, one person before long. Almost the entire building was on their face before God. All he said was, repent. Repent. I want to remember those days because it's days like that that drive me to seek God with all I've got and to prepare to the best of my ability. So when we get together as the people of God like we are this morning, that God can do a work among us. Jonah said, I went to the right person. Because I went to the right place. It wasn't anybody. It was to God. But the third thing, he went to the right past. He went to the right path, not in the sense of the songs that they sing or how they used to have an outhouse at the church and no running water and we baptized people in the creek and, oh, preacher, we need to go back to the good old days. No, not, not that kind of past. He remembered the right past was, I remember when God could do a work. It's almost hard to minister now in some places because we've just come status quo. Business as usual. Same old thing, same old way. But what in the world would happen? What in the world would happen if God broke loose at First Baptist Noonan? I mean just broke loose. God began to work. And as Ed Young would say, my mentor, that could be explained only by the supernatural.
It wasn't because I'm here, Ken's here, Tom, Dick, or Harry. doesn't matter who's here. I promise you, it does not. What matters is, is that God is here. And God has the freedom and the liberty to do what God wants to do. And as you and I sit and listen, and the Spirit of God uses words and scriptures and songs and things that we gather together around, and God uses those, and he pierces your heart. He speaks to your heart. He speaks to your spirit that he calls to be born again. And I promise you, you can't wait till the invitation. Be coming to tell God whatever you need to tell him. And now we're living in a generation, and now we're living in a dispensation of church where the invitation is just about done away with. Not even really thought about anymore because you know what? We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. We don't want to embarrass anybody anymore. If you want to get saved, call us during the week. We'll help you get saved. If you want to talk to somebody, hey, get with our staff or get with our members. Find them during the week. They'll talk to you. Let me tell you something, folks. I love old Billy Graham. He'd say this, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. There's something about an imitation that we better go back to believing in. Just coming down here and telling God anything. I love you. You don't have to be in repenting of some great sin or, 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 or getting over some big disaster. You can just come there and say, God, you know what? I just absolutely love you. I love you. I love you, God. And I wanted to come down here and tell you. I remember the right past when the presence of God had the freedom to do what God wanted to do. The last one is this. Well, this one's a tough one here to swallow, but it's a good one to do. He says in verse 9, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Did anybody get that? Am I listening? Is anybody listening to that? Everything that I told you, God, I will do, I'll do. If I vowed it to you, O oh God, I'll do it. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 says, hey, it's better for you not to vow a vow and not pay it. Don't tell God you do something and don't do it. Jonah found that out the hard way. I think a lot of people in the Christian life has found that out the hard way. I can't tell you how many pastors and friends I've talked to through the years that, that had a calling on their life. A calling. Pastors have told me for years, I ran from it, I ran from it, I ran from it. For years and years, I ran from God. I ran from his calling. And ladies and gentlemen, when I was called in 1974, I did not know you could have run. Or maybe I would have, thank God I didn't know it. I thought if God called you, you said yes. And you did it. And I did. And I haven't looked back since. Preacher after preacher after preacher would tell me 
how they ran from it. Ran, ran, ran. They were miserable, they were miserable, they were miserable, they were miserable. Nothing worked out. Every job they got, they got fired from. Or it just didn't work out. They weren't happy. Time after time after time again. Don't tell God you'll do something and then not do it. Jonah found that out. And so the second chapter is the key to the whole book. I, I got to turn this thing around, buddy. I, this ain't working. I, I, I'm, I'm engulfed. I got weeds all over my head. This thing, the, 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 the whale coaster I'm on is just crazy. He won't be still and all this stuff that's going on in Jonah's life. And he said, I've got to turn. And I want to turn. And I want to go back to God again. I want to see revival before I leave this earth. Now, I'm not talking about a week of meetings. I want to see revival again. And I want to do whatever it takes for me to be a part of that revival. I want to see God move again in our churches. I want to see God just so get a hold of us that we quit worrying about time and space and everything else and just let God be God again and do what God wants to do. Jonah said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I tell you what I'm going to do. God, what I told you I'll do, I'll do. I'll pay my vow. Oh, could there be somebody here this morning? And percentage is, yes, there is somebody here this morning that needs to pay their vow. Maybe there's somebody watching online, sitting at home, sitting in a motel room, wherever you are. Maybe there's, maybe there's somebody that's going to watch this online this week that's sitting there in the privacy of their own home and the Spirit of God would say to you, yeah, you owe me what you told me you'd do. Pay the vow. Pay the vow. Jonah's an incredible book, not because of the whale, not because of the big fish, not because of the monster. No, no. It's a great book because it's all about Jonah and God teaching Jonah an incredible lesson. He had a teachable spirit in chapter 1. And he had a repentant spirit in chapter 2. I pray that God will speak to you as God has already, I promise you, spoken to me about this. I got very convicted this week of an opportunity that I turned down to preach the first Sunday in January. My wife and I just finished 28 months of an interim pastor at Bethany Baptist in Snellville. I was the preacher, and she did all our music and our worship team, and the whole shebang. I got called from a lady I, I didn't know at the time, and she saw on my Facebook page when we were leaving Bethany, and I had a week off, and then I was going to be down here in Noonan for three weeks. And she called, she said, well, we're without a pastor. Can you fill in for us the first Sunday that you got free? Can you do that? And 
Oh, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to tell you this, folks, but I've got to be real and be honest with you. I'm preaching Jonah, but I'm preaching me. I told her, I said, well, ma'am, I, I don't know my schedule. I, 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 kind of like Jonah. Uh, you ever talk like that before to God? Uh, I, I'm talking like that to God. Uh, I, I, uh, I'll get back with you. And I hung up the phone. I told my wife who was in the car with me. I said, there ain't no way in this world I'm going to that church. She said, we're running about 20. We're dead. We're dying. I thought, God, I just left that. I told her no. I told her no. You think after all these years of ministry and all the churches, you think, well, Randy, you did. I told her no. I told her no. I'm not going there. Well, guess what? God said, why don't you call her again? Tell her you have a Sunday off because you won't be booked until you do it. And go preach at that church. I'll let you know when the date is so you can come and join us. <laughs> so there'll be more than 20 there on that Sunday. But I believe I'm going to call her. Tell her I'll come. Because I told her no. I'm not going to that church. I don't need that. I want that. I um, no. Pay your vows. Pay them. And watch what God does in your life. Our Father in Jesus' name. Lord, we desire nothing more, nothing less than the presence of God to do his work among his people. I know God is Sunday morning and we're all religious and we're all dressed right and we all look right, act right. But God, in our hearts today, we might have sin in our life. In our hearts today, we might be like Jonah, just in a mess. No one knows we're in a mess. We still live where we live, drive the cars that we live, work in the jobs that we work, but inside, inside, inside of us, we're in a mess. And only you're going to change that, God. God, help us to go to the right person, the right place, the right past. And then, God, help us to pay our vows that we said to you. When we said, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow Jesus Christ. It was more than just to a place called heaven. It was to follow him in whatever he asked us to do. Father, we love you this morning. We love you more than we can say. Because you put up with us week after week, day after day, hour after hour. You put up with us. So God, just help us, help us, help us, help us to learn the lessons that Jonah did. It took him three days. Seems like it takes us longer. So God, may we follow you and obey you this morning. In the name of the Father, 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Man, what I said about the invitations. You need to come down this morning. I'll be here to pray with you. Lisa here. We've got Dr. Sanchez and his wife here. They'll pray with you. We've got plenty of staff people that'll pray with you. Plenty of church members that'll pray with you. You want somebody to pray with you? You don't have to tell them what it is. Just slip down here and say, hey, just pray for me this week. That's all they got to do, and they'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. But don't leave. Please, please, First Baptist Noonan, please don't leave in disobedience to God. If you do, you're going to be like Jonah. God telling you, you feel you need to go, you just sense it, you got to do it, then do it. Obey him. And you go right back to your seat and go get in your car and go eat. But you obey God this morning. You obey God. I invite you to come this morning.